Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Diamonds in the Rough podcast. I'm here with Mike, and uh, although we expected it, we didn't expect it to go like that, nope. where the Celtics climb back, because I believe we did the pod when uh, they were down 3-1. Uh, yes, it was 3-1. It was um, last Tuesday. But they get to Game 7. You know, it's at home. They bring out all the stops. Every guy you can think of is in the in the crowd, and the crowd is loud. They did their job, and the yeah. Celtics did not. Um, and really, it started with Tatum hurting his ankle like 26 seconds into the game. And that's when I kind of had a feeling. I had a feeling before the game, but... Um, once he got hurt, it wasn't looking good for them. Yeah, the ankle going down, you could tell right away that they were going to have to overcome a huge obstacle. But like what you said, I mean, that was probably the best celebrity selection I've seen at the Garden in a while. We're oh, talking yeah. Jack Harlow. Uh, 21 Savage was there. I don't remember the other ones, but uh, they had a lot of celebrities there. Oh, a lot of the Patriot players were there. Uh, Robert Kraft mm-hmm. was he's always there. But, I mean, Jack Harlow was sitting there. I mean, so, yeah, it, a lot of celebrities showed up. It was feeling like kind of like it was New York almost. And it was a big at- game atmosphere, and they just totally laid an egg completely. I found it funny that he has a song named Tyler Hero, but he's a Celtics fan. But – I mean, even like Rondo showed up. <laughs> yeah, I loved seeing Rondo with I, I don't Pierce. Feel like he, I, it, Isaiah Thomas IT showed up, was which there. was I, I didn't. Yeah, he a was big there. shock considering, you know, right. I thought he would lose. He would never do something like that after what the Celtics did to him. But um, yeah, I mean, defensively they were there. Yeah. You know, my issue is the whole live and die by the three. And they just never got out of that. And it's like you when you go 0 for 11 from three at the half, you got to make an adjustment, right? You have to start attacking them at the basket. And then you can start getting back into the threes. But, like, if you keep shooting and shooting and shooting and you keep missing, it's like try something new, please. Well, you know what it comes down to is that players have said it, coaches have said it, the offense is like a freestyle offense. In other words, they don't have a plan. They don't know what they're doing. And, you know, it is tough when it's a day before media day, you have a new coach. Um, But they didn't have anything in play to really go to. So that's kind of why it was live or die by the three. And that's why it's like, wow, the Celtics look great when they hit threes and play defense. That's, that's kind of how it was. And that's in, you know, games four and five, playing defense, hitting threes. Game six, they muscled that one out. They really weren't hitting their shots. They almost blew it. <laughs> you know, I mean, what were they? They got outscored like 15 to four uh, towards the end, and it was would have been 15 to two if Derek White didn't have that miraculous play that now means nothing. Um, okay. I, I also knew it was bad when people were talking about this Derek White play, like, you know, sorry to bring this up, but the Malcolm Butler play, and it's like they haven't even won the series yet. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a great play. It made everyone go nuts. That and and that really felt like the coming back from the three zero was possible. But you're right. I mean, obviously it was overhyped, but 
to come back after that and to just put such an egg of a performance up, it's just disgraceful, to be honest. But um, for me, the biggest for me, what really like was a stab to the heart was seeing how bad Jalen Brown played because I'm a huge Jalen Brown guy. Yep. And just to just to see him not do anything when Tatum went down and to see Derek White take that number two role when it's, you know, Brown, you should be stepping up. So now I'm very concerned about the future with Jalen Brown. So that's a big discussion, but yeah. I do want to mention something first real quick. And it's that there's this trend that this is why I thought the heat would win game seven. It's whenever you really believe in this team, the, the past two years, whenever you really believe in this team, that's when they let you down and we can go back these two postseasons, right? They sweep the nets. Everyone's believing in them. First game against the Bucks at home. What do they lose by 20? Yeah. <laughs> right. Everyone believes in them. And then they get destroyed by Giannis. Like, oh my God. Then they play three great games. But game two, comfortable win. Game three, seemed like there were some shaky ref calls and a couple plays go the other way. They win that game. Game two, fantastic. Or game four. Series is tied 2 2. You're like, we're going back to Boston. Home court's back. Game five. They did everything they could to lose that game, and they did. <laughs> you remember that? I was, I was like, the series is done because how are you going to come back from that? Everyone's down them again, and then Jason Tatum has that game six. Yeah. Somehow they win. Yes. And they win game seven. You because Butler didn't make that last shot. Yeah, you can look at the Heat series in the Eastern Conference Finals. It's multiple games in there. Well, I think they they won game two. Everyone's believing in them. Game three happens. Jalen has like seven turnovers and they lose. And it's like, how do you lose that? It was like a Victor Oladipo game, you know? Then they went four. They went five. Might have been. I might have flip-flopped. But game six, it's like, we're going to the finals. It's at home. We're going to close them out. And then we lose that. It's like, how? Everyone doubts them. Game seven on the road, they somehow win. And you can even look at game four in the finals versus the Warriors and everyone beats them or believes in them. And Steph Curry says no. This postseason, game five versus the Hawks, we think the series is going to be done. We get beat by Trey Young. <laughs> Just so many games I can point to where it's when the belief is high, when you think they finally figured it out, they surprise you. The wrong way. The wrong way, yeah, for Celtics fans. But that that's just something I wanted to point out is that there's this trend, it seems like, of they just they just can't be consistent. They always gotta make it interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're just like I said, they don't take it I mean I think they take it seriously, but they just take a, the foot off the pedal sometimes. And then yeah, the, it's just like that's been a consistent thing with the Ime Adoka Celtics and now the Missoula Celtics is just they just have been really like you said inconsistent. And then yeah, I mean someone said to me, Oh, well, at least it was a seven game series. And I'm like, this was the most painful. Like we were down three oh. I don't want to I don't enjoy being down three oh, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like it was back and forth. It was a three oh, and then we went on a three uh game run. And you know, it's like too little too late. It's almost worse in a sense that it was a seven game series. Cause it kind of hides the real issues with the team. Cause you go, Oh, we lost in seven. Right. And it was, a, it was a close series when really like didn't feel like a close series. I like, it felt like the right team one series is what I would say, but oh, you yeah. know, this, this is going to save 
Joe Maz's job, which yep. I don't even necessarily disagree. I just think you need smarter guys and his smarter veteran guys as his assistants, and they need to actually implement a real offense instead of this live or die by the three. You're too talented to live or die by the three. Yep. You live or die by the three if either you have guys like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, right, or you're the Heat and you lack talent, so you make up for it. And like Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, these guys that can hit big-time shots. And sure, you lose stuff on defense. How do you make up for that? Well, they do this zone that the Celtics still can't figure out how to beat. <laughs> and then at that point, you're playing a threes over twos game. Because the best way to beat a zone is to get in the paint, especially when they have it extended 35 feet up. The paint is wide open. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's a a very dark time, a lot darker than people want to talk about because with the new CBA, it's not easy to have these loaded rosters that the Celtics currently have, right? And you're looking at Brown needs his money, which I know people are saying he shouldn't get it, but we can talk about it. And then a year later, Tatum's going to get his money. Then it's like guys like Brogdon, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Rob Williams. Like there's not going to be enough money to give these guys their contracts because if you pay them that, then you're sacrificing things like draft picks in extreme money taxes that really no organization is probably willing to pay is what it sounds like. So So do you want to get into that Brown discussion? Yeah, we can get into the Brown discussion. Um, I'll let you go first. Okay. Because I think you, I mean, you've always been a Brown supporter. And I think a lot of people have, but there's a lot of people flipping, and I'm definitely on the side of I'm staying pat. But I think you might be a little more wishy-washy here. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd like to keep Brown. My only thing is I'm not paying him the Supermax, and that's just me seeing enough from two big playoff series two years in a row where he's turning the ball over every other play. He's not stepping up when he needs to. And I think last night, really, I think – and you, if you, I don't know if you listened to Brown's post-game interview, but it, he was very – devastated and I think he knows that he dropped the ball because he needed to step up when Tatum went down he had to step up when Tatum went down and he was nowhere to be found okay he was hiding behind Fenway I don't know where he was he was nowhere to be found well he wasn't hiding he was probably doing too much he was trying to do too much that's probably I mean eight for 23 seven turn seven or eight turnovers Uh, one of those two yeah um, but yeah, but I mean, I, I don't, again, no super max in my opinion. Um, and the good thing is the Celtics don't have to go the super max route with him. They can still pay him more than any other team. Um, here's the way, what you could do, what you could do is you could sign him to just more than it, not a super max, but like near that. Okay. If you have to go super max to save him, like say he says, well, if you're not going to be the super max, I'm going to leave next summer and you have to do it, then you have to do it. But there is a way out of that. The way out of that is you have him for uh, – so he's on his original contract next season. So you don't have to worry about that. The following year the, will be the first year of the Supermax. Tatum will still be on his original deal. So you have that two – so you have two more years where you're not going to have two Supermaxes. You're only going to have at least one, right? And if Brown, the next two seasons, 
continue, does not work out, before you give Tatum his Supermax, you can move on from Brown and you can bring somebody else in. So the whole Supermax thing, I'm not as afraid of that now thinking about that because I still know that we still have two more years of flexibility because we don't have to worry about having two Supermaxes going on at the same time for another three years. And again, we have an out now where if Brown continues to not show up in the playoffs, you can move on from him and and can then you can give Tatum the Supermax. So there is an out for that. So, but my again, my stance is I would re-sign Brown. Um, the only player I would move Brown for, there's just one player because only one realistic option is Damian Lillard. If it's not him, I'm not moving Brown. I don't want to hear about Donovan Mitchell. I don't want to hear about them. I'm not moving Brown unless his name is Damian Lillard. That's it. Um, and I would try to give him less than the Supermax. First thing with the Dame thing is I think people say realistic and it's really not. He doesn't want to be moved. And the only reason you trade for Jalen Brown is if you can pair him with Dame. If you can trade the number three pick, you trade Simons, you trade whatever else to make it work. And then your team's like Dame, Jalen Brown, Jeremy Grant, and whoever. And no, it's not going anywhere, but really Portland's a small market team that's trying to give Dame his wishes. And I can respect that. Even though you're probably not winning a title, you're trying to compete with a guy who wants to stay with you and he's going to be a legend because of it. It's not the smartest move necessarily, but you got to respect it. Now, the the things I can't argue, terrible series from Jalen Brown. 100% agree with you. It's frustrating to see that it's another year. In fact, another game. Because I remember, I think it was actually game four, I believe, where he had seven turnovers. Victor Oladipo picked his pocket like five times. And it was the same exact thing. And, you know, the reason I've always liked Jalen Brown is because I know he cares. And that was very prevalent, I think, in his post-game interview where he's talking about how he let the city down and stuff like that. Um, So I know he cares. I know he has the mentality. Um, But it's frustrating to see same team, same situation, kind of, same mistakes. You know, um, I don't like the thing of like, he doesn't show up in big moments. I feel like that's been going around and that's just complete recency bias. Cause I think we all agree in the finals, the best player on the Celtics was Jalen Brown. I know he has his turnover stuff, but he showed that he cared and he was trying and he was actually showing up. This series was a dud. I feel like it's his first playoff dud of a series to be honest with you it's just frustrating when it's the height of you come back 3-0 Tatum's hurt and we need you right um some things that are very clear to me is that Jalen can't be the number one option no I think that's what this showed and he needs to go back to what made him special which is defense first right I think He's spending too much energy and focus on the offensive end when he's always been a player where his defensive plays made his offense better. And you still see moments like that where he gets a steal and it's a breakaway dunk. And then that gets the crowd involved and makes the rest of the defense better. He needs to get back to that kind of stuff. And I have 100% faith he will because he has gone better every single year. You know, I know there were a lot of forward injuries, but he's still second, all, all NBA second team which first All-NBA team he's made, second All-Star game he made, he's clearly improving. Yeah. 
And the cherry on top is Jason Tatum wants him here. That I agree with you on that. And whether you think Brown's worth it or not, you know Jason Tatum's worth it. And if you don't keep Brown, Tatum's going to leave. And then you're back to square one. And also, if you're going to try to do some sort of trade thing, you're just not getting the value back. Like, I think the the trade people point to is Portland. And they say Dame. And I'm just going to... Dame is not an option. Agreed. We need to stop acting like it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just saying that the only yeah. player I would take is him. Because people are like, oh, that's equal value. Portland does it because they get younger. And it's like, that's not what Portland's doing, though. The reason they, they trade the keep... number three pick is because they're trying to, you win. know, win. So Portland would be willing to trade Jalen Brown, but it's like the three and Simons and other stuff and that's not that great even if like scoot falls to three who's considered a generational prospect you just don't know with prospects Mm. and you know celtics have had luck with that number three pick but um it just doesn't make sense to me to me it's such a no-brainer and it's frustrating to see all the stuff on brown i know he had a dud of a series but his career is in seven games long Yeah, I mean, I uh, you make a good point. It's only, yeah, the one series. My question to you would be, how much money would you be willing to top at? Whatever he wants. Okay, like, so you'd be doing the Supermax? Sure, you can try to negotiate down, but I'd be very cautious of it. Because Brown intellectually isn't like a normal basketball player, I feel like. And I feel like he, we have disrespected this man enough from as a fan base, as an organizational piece, or as an organization, we've disrespected him enough. And if he wants the Supermax and you play this, you know, we'll give you like half of your max potential money. It wouldn't surprise me if he just goes, you know what, I'm out of here. It just wouldn't surprise me. And that's a great okay but that's not a good solution (laughs) the good solution in my mind is to keep them right we're saying we want to trade and get rid of a guy who's been to what five eastern conference finals six six tatum five brown six yeah okay so that's that's who we no i think tatum's four brown's five i could be wrong yeah (laughs) a lot of success for a 26 year old like a lot. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, I we said it last podcast where you can look at the greatest players of all time. I'm talking Jordan, I'm talking LeBron, I'm talking Curry. All those guys like didn't win their first title till they were 27. Brown's going to be 27 next year. But like, I think we expect that just because Tatum and Brown have had so, so much success, they should have done it by now. And we can see it's a very tough thing to do. And realistically, to anyone listening, like if they somehow won, they're losing to Denver. Does that make you feel better? Nope. <laughs> still, still not getting to where they need to get to or where yeah, fans want well, them to get to. Yeah, but there's nothing like the finals. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would have been great to see him in the finals. Obviously, that'd be two years in a row. And you give yourself a chance. I'm not saying you don't, but in terms of that would have, they won, they would have played 
would have been their 20th game. Last night was their 20th game. They'd probably have to play another seven because you're definitely not beating Denver in five, probably not six because game six would be in Denver. <laughs> you're not beating Denver. You're not. I'm just saying, like, as far as the games played thing, like, by six, Denver's played. I mean, they've had all this rest and they've played 15, I think. Right? Four, five, six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're just such a well coached team and they play the game the right way. Yeah. They have this thing called an offense. It's <laughs> Michael Malone, man. I mean, that's why I'm like, I'm just like punching myself because like Brad Stevens, you're a good coach. I mean, you know what I mean? Like maybe you should have just came down just this one season, see, try it one more time and then go right back up to the box if it doesn't work, you know, but they made the decision that they made. So, I mean, here's the thing. If you know, Joe Maz isn't coming back. That's when you like bring Brad down there. Joe Maz is staying. Well, after the, his contract four years, 13 million. He ain't going anywhere, unfortunately. Um, I genuinely think they just need more guys around him. I think he's thrown in a horrendous situation. We talked about it last time. I don't know a guy that would succeed. Like Spolstra got thrown in when he was young. He's older than Joe Maz. Hang yeah, on. Yeah, but Spolstra had 11 years, dude. I understand. He also had like Pat Riley supervising him and great assistants around him. And it was a different league back then. I think with Joe Mazzulia, you're taking a 34 year old. You've destroyed all the assistant coaches they had. And you're doing this one day before media day. Right. He doesn't even really have an off season to prepare to be the head coach. He's just kind of thrown in there. Correct. You know, I, I'm still out on him. I'm not going to. And that's just, very fair. Yeah. I mean, I'm completely out on him and I'm very concerned about next season. And I'm also very concerned because I know their top target is Frank Vogel to be the top assistant. And here's my thing with that. If I'm Frank Vogel, why am I going to take an assistant job to a guy who's not even close to as qualified as I am? You know what I mean? Like, that's another thing. Are you going to get the assistants that are good? Like, are these assistants going to want to be coached under a guy who's had barely any experience in the league? I mean, I'm just saying, unless, unless, unless Wick is like, hey, if Missoula, if things go south with Missoula, we'll promote you in his place, like the Nets just did with uh, Jacques Vaughn. I mean, I think there's many instances you could point to, though, where there's these really qualified assistant coaches that someone argue are better than the head coach. Right. But the other thing is, if you're trying to get back into the league, like Frank Vogel, he probably doesn't have any head coaching jobs out there. So I could either wait, hoping someone wants me to be a head coach, or if I want to go back in the league, I'm the top assistant to a, to a finals contending team, go there for a year. And then I'm going to get all these head coaching offers, right? You can look at so many teams where it's like, look, Sam Cassell, probably better than Doc Rivers. Maybe not, but some people would think he's better than Doc Rivers. Yeah, I love Sam Cassell. I've never been a Budenholzer fan, but I'm saying like Darvin Ham was his assistant. I like Budenholzer. I know he gets a lot of hate, but I do like him. Okay, but Darvin Ham just took a team that wasn't that was a seven seed to the Western Conference Finals, right? He's clearly a great coach. I don't know if we played that yet. I think he's a good coach. I don't know about great yet, but I mean, so would you have said Ime's a great coach? 
Yeah, he made the finals. Okay, but that's one more round. It's a big round. <laughs> Look, I think Ime was a, a good coach. He wasn't a great coach. He was a good coach. I think if he – we had to see more of him. It's only so you need year. more. You need more coaching need more. to decide need, if someone's a great yeah, coach. Yeah, but you I don't need, need more coaching to decide if someone's a bad coach. Mike Budenholzer is a good coach. He What he did in Atlanta that one year where he made them the one seed, and they went – I mean, come on. And then, I mean, he won with – I mean – Look, he he didn't get in the way of Giannis, and he <laughs> coached that team well that year, and they won. If you win a championship with the coach, you're always going to have at least your legacy being okay. At least you're a, a a good, a decent to good coach. You're not a bad coach if you win a championship. No, he. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I just think there's a lot of like you win a title, you're immune, and you can't be criticized. And I think anybody watching that playoff run understands it was just Giannis going crazy because there were a lot of coaching mistakes that he made that that's just it yeah I mean well Drew Drew Giannis Chris uh Bobby Porter Bobby Porter's PJ Tucker's defense was great that team so, was yeah, stacked that team was great I love that team but um again Bodenholzer had everyone getting along and he didn't get in the way and I just think that he was no, he wasn't the most important guy on the team, obviously, but he did a decent job of just, you know, letting the players do their thing. And, you know, I'm not saying he should come to Boston or anything like that, but I, I would take him over Missoula in a heartbeat. Heartbeat. Yeah, I mean. I would take Monty Williams right now. I mean, Monty Williams is out there, and we're going to bring back Joe Missoula? I don't know. The guys like him. I get that. I get that. You but know, also, like, they're – I, I think people think that Joe Missoula isn't liked by the people in the organization. That's just not the truth. No, so like they, no, yeah. to say, bring a guy in, you know, to switch it up and the players are like, I mean, what do you want your fifth coach in five years? How many has yeah, it been? I do. Like Third that's... Coach, uh, fourth coach in three years, but that's because he got, you know, he, uh, <laughs> anyways, he may, uh, he did did, a thing. you know, he did a thing and, uh, Brad Stevens said I wanted to become the GM, or they asked him to. So, I mean, it's not like we've had bad coach. You know, it's not like we're the freaking uh, Sixers who have a new coach every three years. Yeah, we just have one a new coach every year. Well, again, no one saw Emay doing what he did. I mean, you know. What no, I, mean? I agree that that to me that's really the thing that kind of messed up the year. And it's to no yeah. fault of anyone's. It's just kind of. You get off on the wrong foot because I think the reason the Celtics start off so hot is just the anger of losing in the finals, and you know that kind of tapered off. Um, and they never really had an identity. It was just kind of they're just more skilled and talented than everyone. I got a question for you: okay. If Missoula doesn't show any signs of improvement next year, and you got Frank Vogel as your head assistant, are you going to make the move to move on from Missoula during the season and, and appoint Vogel? I think he already showed improvement. What in the comeback? Yeah, the three comeback. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just. I mean, look, there. he was he was actually calling good timeouts. This is someone you got to realize. Yeah, this yes, is someone yes. Who, no, I'll give you that. He did. This he did. is someone who was saying, "I want to say game twenty, game twenty five, that the Celtics aren't a real threat." This is when they're like twenty and five. I'm like, they're not a real threat. Because of the coaching difference. Okay. I'm giving him his flowers. I'm giving him credit. Game six. 
he made a decision that I would not have done and it paid off. And it was leaving Brown, bringing back Brown when he had four fouls. The Celtics, he did it with like seven minutes left. The Celtics could not score. You could see the game was changing and it was going the other way. I think they were up one. He put Brown back in. They went on a run. They ended up being up like nine heading into the fourth because of that decision, a decision I wouldn't have made. And he did, in my mind, deserves a lot of credit for that because they don't win that game if he doesn't make that decision. And in the moment, everyone was mad about the challenge because it made the two into a three. They were already going to check if it was a three or not. His challenge did nothing to that. But what it did do was it added 0.9 seconds to the clock. And without those 0.9 seconds, Derek White can't hit the game winner. So he truly coached game six to a win. And that's a big game. That's down 3-2 on the road. And he did coach them to a win. Did he have many games where he coached them to wins? No. So in my mind, that's a massive improvement. So how many? Okay, so. But okay, so are we going? So next season, if they have a tough end, right? Are they going to are you going to reopen this conversation to see if Missoula should still be the guy or? I mean, it depends how the ending is tough, Got right? It. Is okay. it is it tough because, like, guys don't show up, right? Like, is it tough because the Celtics have, like, two games that are just, like, game three versus Miami? Because there was no coaching involved in game three. The Celtics just didn't show up. And you can't tell me you put it past them. Like, they could do that very well, you know, where they just don't show up and they don't want to win. And then you lose a game in the series. If they do that multiple times, to me, that's not a coaching thing. That's the guy's not getting ready. If you want to blame the coach to get the guys ready and motivated to win a playoff game, like that's to me, speaks more on the players. How are you not ready for playoff games? How do you not want to win really bad for playoff games? This is why you play and why you get paid. I just think that he needs to... I just think the way he just keeps with the whole live or die by the three thing, I just think that that has to change next season. And if it doesn't change, then they have they have to cut him. And I, I mean, I would have cut him. I would cut him today. But I'm saying, like, if if they are going to bring him back next season, they have to adjust that because if we can't do this whole, I can't, I can't do this whole thing where we're just going to chuck threes up every time. And we need to have an actual offense, like you said earlier. So, well, that's why I need, I need to see. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Simply because there were, I think he had a horrendous situation. The guys like him in the organization and the players, they all like him. Like I said, horrendous situation. He showed me some stuff in the playoffs. It wasn't consistent throughout. You know, there were very few complete well-coached games. Game six is the one I point to, and that's the most recent win, right? So clearly to me on the right trajectory, with a full off season, does he and whoever they bring in as assistants, do they come up with a real offense? If they do, I think that solves a lot of issues. Because we can blame Brown in game seven all we want, but realistically, he's isoing 35 feet from the basket against like Jimmy Butler. And that's just a terrible game plan, but because you have this freestyle type offense, that's what he wants to do because he thinks he has to do it. 
Uh, I thought the defense was kind of poor in some regards last night. Like a lot of open shots for Miami. Were you noticing that? Like a lot of open threes. I mean, they always get open threes, right? Like that's kind of the name of their game. I think the frustrating thing to me is like all the back cuts that work. It's frustrating in two regards. One, you know, this is what they do, right? Like the Duncan Robinson open back cuts for layups, right? Oh, yeah. And two, we don't do that, right? There, there's very little oh. cutting and off ball movement. It seems like, yeah. um, but I do want to give the heat credit because you're up 3-0, you lose three straight, and then you play like that. I mean, they hit a lot of big-time shots. That's a tough crowd, and they needed to hit all of those shots they hit to quiet the crowd down, right? Mm-hmm. So you just got to give props sometimes. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I, know, I know the Celtics played bad, but... The Heat played well in Game Seven. They really did. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's just, what really irks me is the fact that all the side, you know, Caleb Martin and uh, or Cody Martin and um, Caleb, Caleb, Caleb Martin. You got uh Duncan Robinson, and you got um Max Drews looking Gabe like Vincent. prime Chris Bosh, D Wade, and LeBron out there. It's just like it just makes me want to you know throw myself out a window, you know. So it's like. Ugh, but you know it's frustrating. It's, it's going to be a long off season. It's going to be a very long off season. When I, hope I these players look at themselves in the mirror. When I saw that the Heat booked their flight to Denver, I I kind of I kind of knew. And I know people are like, "Oh, you can just cancel the flight." Blah, blah, blah. It's the same mindset of when Jordan's like, "I'm bringing one suit." <laughs> mm, mm, yeah, yeah, Jordan could just buy another suit if he loses, but that's not. It sends a message to the team. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, yeah, I feel like that's honestly that heat culture thing that people hate. But Pat Riley, I feel like it's a real thing. Well, um, Pat Riley is telling them how much he hates Boston. So he and, and uh, there's a report that Spolster makes sure the players know, like, hey, this is our rival. We have to take them very seriously because Pat Riley hates them. Everyone hates Boston, and you know what? That's cool. But I feel like we need to take that hatred and turn it into some energy, you know, that everyone's against us, right? Draymond Green just had a podcast clowning the Celtics and Celtics fans. He got Draymond eliminated before Green. them. Draymond Green. But I'm yeah. saying it's everyone. Yeah. Cry baby Green. Right? LeBron James has gone out saying, I hate Boston so much. Well, I hate LeBron. Blah, blah. Well, look, I, yeah, well, it's just LeBron. No, I understand. I'm saying it's every, t- it's every player. They all hate Boston. And that's cool. You know, that's fine. It's just I, I wish the players took that energy and put it on the court. I feel like they don't do it enough. But I don't know. I think that was a good a good vent session, honestly. Like, they're still going to be a big favorite for next season. I guess the one thing I think is Gallinari would have been huge this series. Oh, yeah, huge. I mean, especially with how bad Al Horford looks. I mean, and he'll really use Gallinari. He'll be back. Um, and I really respected that he showed up like super often to all those games. Yeah. But all right, I think we'll probably do some next week, either talking more offseason stuff or 
we'll see how the finals go. Maybe Nuggets it's an interesting six. series. Maybe it's not. You're rooting for the Nuggets. I'm rooting for the Nuggets. I respect. See, unlike a lot of these Celtic fans who are crying right now, I respect the Heat. I hate the Heat, but I respect them. I respect Jimmy Butler. But I'm rooting for the Nuggets, and I think the Nuggets are going to win in six. Yeah, I'm rooting for the Heat. <laughs> What's your reasoning? I just want Jimmy Butler to get a ring. Yeah, I, I just Butler is like the most respect. Like I just respect that guy. Like he just goes out there and does it. You know what I mean? Like it's really Jimmy Butler getting a ring and um, just the underdog story. I'm here for it. Also, like I've been getting into coaching basketball, and the amount of respect I have for Spolstra is pretty yeah. high since I know the game at a higher level since I've been getting into that stuff. So those are the reasons, not a ton, you know, but uh, I think this is a better matchup as tough as it is to say, I, it wouldn't be close if the Celtics played the nuggets. Like that's the talent is equal and the nuggets are structured when the Celtics aren't. I think a lot of people are on the opposite spectrum, though, John. I think a lot of people were rooting for the Celtics last night because, like, the general consensus is that they think that the Celtics and Nuggets would have been more competitive. And I think that the general consensus is that people think the Heat are going to get smashed. But so, do you I think – don't you think you need an identity to win a title? I would agree, but I just think that the Nuggets are so much better than the Heat. I, I mean, I agree with you, but I just think that – People I mean, look at the rosters and like, hey, it's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But yeah, I, your opinion is good. I'm just saying that's why I think a lot of people wanted the Celtics to go because they just look at the roster and say, okay, the roster is more balanced probably. Yeah, but I feel like Celtics Nuggets rosters are pretty even. Yeah. Relatively, like, you know, you can argue and whatnot. But um, so like the whole like the Nuggets have a much better roster than the Heat, like, yeah, so same with every single series the Heat played. Um, Tyler Hero will come back. We'll see how he's actually going to be integrated. He's had big playoff moments. You know, I really don't know what to expect from that. I almost don't even know how much they'll use him just because that might ruin the mojo. But it, I'm just really intrigued to see how Eric Spolster tries to pull it out. It's not Jimmy Butler pulling it out. It's really a coaching he has to outcoach a very good coach this series with yeah. a very difficult road games. You know, Denver's difficult because of the altitude and all that, you know? Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler, I think we've seen, he'll be huffing and puffing because he just does so much for the Heat. He's playing like the whole game. He's doing everything defensively. He's doing everything offensively. He's in isolation so much. It's not that he's out of shape. He just does so much that every game he has that moment where you can tell he's just so gassed and he doesn't really preserve his energy. It's going to be tough when the altitude with the altitude in Denver. So I'm just really interested and intrigued to see it. I think it would be an incredible underdog story if the Heat could pull it out because not only are they the eighth seed and the fact they're in the finals is amazing, this is the worst matchup for them. Denver is 6 and 0 in the last 6 games versus the Heat. Yeah. So I'm excited to see it. That's why I'm putting an asterisk so maybe we'll talk about it next week cuz I could just see it being like 3-0 by the time we record and it's like there's not much to talk about. Yeah. But 
So what's your uh, prediction real quick? Um, I mean, I'm rooting for the Heat, but I'm going to go uh, Nuggets and five. All right, so Nuggets and five and Nuggets and six. Yeah. It's going to be so difficult for them. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Anything can happen in the finals. To me, this is like the first eight seed. I know it's the second eight seed to go to the finals. This is the first one because the other team in the finals was the lockout season. So like the Knicks, you know, I don't know if they were really an eight seed. It could have just been, you know, because like after game, I don't remember how many games the lockout was, but like after game, whatever, last year, the Celtics, it took them to go on a crazy hot streak to get the two seed in a lockout season they would be a really low seed but you know they're a much better team than that so yeah. i don't know we'll see do you have any other thoughts uh that's really just my thoughts uh it's gonna be uh i, I mean it's gonna be fun watching Jokic in the finals for the first time True. jamal murray is also really fun to watch and i feel bad for those denver fans who had to put up with the awful football season that they had uh, even mm-hmm. though I loved it every minute of it, um, I'm glad that they uh, get a chance to enjoy their basketball team. They must have been loving that they got the result they wanted. They need that. <laughs> like, not only did the Heat win, but the Celtics were able to extend it to seven for them. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, there's also a saying of hungrier dog always wins, right? I think the Heat want it more, but we'll see. All right. Tune in uh next week for something. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Peace out.